Lord, we do pray, would you speak? Would you speak through your words that never change? Because your character never changes. Lord, would you um, speak to us and shape and fashion us in your likeness? Would you help us to grasp your love and your goodness and your plans for each one of us? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. So we have been in a series. We've just started a series, and our series is about growing up into maturity, about growing up into the likeness of Christ. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're called to imitate Christ and to grow into the fullness and maturity that he has for us. And so last week we learned about gentleness. Pastor Gina talked to us about the kingdom value of letting our gentleness be evident to all. Um, And I don't know about you, but that was a really good word for me going into Thanksgiving with friends and family that I dearly love. And so this morning we're going to talk about growing up into patience. How many of you had the wonderful opportunity to practice some patience on your drive-in this morning? The Lord is good, isn't he? Giving us fresh manna. So we're going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'll give you a minute to find it, and we'll read verses 12 to 17. It's on page 1844 in your Seek Bibles. Um, 1 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the pastor, Timothy. And so we're going to read beginning at verse 12. This is Paul speaking. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So I was recently doing some grocery shopping at Meijer. It's a really poor season to be in Meijer. Um, And I happened to be walking past the toy department. The Meijer that I go to, you have to walk past the toy department to get to the back side of the groceries because I like to work from the back forward. Very efficient, right? Anybody with me? Okay. So I'm walking past the toy department, and I overhear this really interesting conversation. And I lean over and look, and there's this tiny little girl in the middle of the aisle 
And she has this great big pink box with a big doll in it. And she's clutching it so close with like this vice grip of death. And she says, Grammy, Grammy, please. I really need it. Can I have it? And her voice is getting louder and she's getting more desperate as she's literally like petting this box. You know, like, I just really, I need it. And her poor Grammy's standing there on her cart with her elbows down like, oh. And she says what every mom, Grammy, auntie says this time of year. Maybe if you put it on your Christmas list, you can have it at Christmas. And as you can imagine, this is definitely not the response that this little girl was hoping for. It's not really the response I was hoping for for her either. And I could hear her quiet sobs and soft persistence as I walked away towards the groceries. Please, Grammy, I would be so good. I really need it today. This little girl was really struggling to be patient. She didn't want to have to wait for Christmas. And she's probably old enough by now to know that everything that Grammy puts on the list probably doesn't end up under the tree. Patience is really hard for little ones, isn't it? But patience is really hard for adults, too. It's really hard to be patient when we don't have the things that we really want or even need. It's hard to be patient when the timeline of our life doesn't look quite like what we'd hoped. And it's hard to be patient with people who don't behave the way we want them to, or even how God intended them to. And it's hard to be patient when life just doesn't look the way that we thought it would or should. In our text for this morning, we read parts of a letter, as I said, addressed to a young pastor named Timothy who stands in need of abundant patience. Timothy had been a mentee of the Apostle Paul, the mighty Paul that we talk about all the time. And Paul had walked with young Timothy and he had discipled him up into a strong and godly leader. So much so that eventually Timothy had been called over to Ephesus to pastor the churches that Paul had planted long ago. So these, these two letters, First and Second Timothy, are Paul's letters to his mentee Timothy regarding how to pastor the churches in Ephesus well. And what's important about this is that the churches in Ephesus are not doing well. The two letters contain an abundant array of information about struggle after struggle and issue after issue and conflicts that are present in the Ephesian churches. We go on to read that there are huge challenges with false teachers who are promoting old wives' tales. They're teaching theology that doesn't stand in line with the teachings of Jesus. The leaders are selfish, they're conceited, and they waste their time with unproductive studies and irrelevant, endless debates that bear no fruit. This church is struggling to have solid leadership and in, in general, and it's even worse, they're struggling with the love of money, with things like sexual immorality, with vain conceit, useless chatter. If you read the letters, the list goes on and on and on. The churches in Ephesus are in a bad spot, and these leaders are not the kind of people that you want to talk to about their leadership. There were leaders to correct and members to discipline, structures and frameworks to be broken down and built back up, a whole church culture to change, confrontations, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation. Timothy has a hard job ahead of him. 
And I bet Timothy was hoping for a letter from the famously strong and even aggressive Paul about how to strong arm this church back in line. I bet he was hoping to get some serious and aggressive instruction about how to tighten the ship and clean the house out, lay down some consequences and set things straight. And yet Paul opens his letters to Timothy by sharing testimony. Paul shares his own personal testimony about God's abundant, long-suffering patience with him. Paul reminds Timothy of how Paul himself had once been a murderer. The very same man who had moved around the continent, literally hunting down and murdering Christians. The man who had approved of the Apostle Stephen stoning. The man who had breathed murderous threats against all the disciples. God had been exceedingly patient with Paul and had eventually turned his life entirely around. Jesus had died for sinners like Paul. And Jesus chooses sinners so that his immense patience would be put on display through Paul for all to see. I know you have a big mess to deal with, Paul was saying. But remember, our God is astoundingly patient. Patience was likely the absolute worst thing that Timothy wanted to hear about. It's the last thing that little girl in Meyer wanted to hear about. And it's the last thing that I want to hear about when things aren't going my way. Isn't that just the worst thing for people to say to you? Like, oh, just be patient. Many of you know this, some of you don't, but um, my husband, Brendan, is a reservist in the United States Army. Um, And we found out earlier this year that he's been scheduled to deploy to Washington, D.C. for an entire year. So he leaves this coming April, and he won't be back until April of 2021. Now, we've been married for over five years now, and we've been waiting, sometimes more patiently than other times, for a season of stability to start a family. And for the last four years, I assumed that the time would be when Brendan had a good job, when I'd finished seminary, when we had a stable home, and when I started a job. And guess what that day is today? But Brendan's leaving for a whole year. And we've discerned that now isn't the time, and so we've got to keep waiting. We just have to be patient. And i got to tell you, I really struggle with it. I'm tired of being patient. I've been patient this whole time. I don't want to have to keep waiting. Sometimes I feel a lot like that little girl standing there with that box holding my hopes and dreams and saying, Please, Jesus, can it be today? Can I just have this now? Can it be this way? We're on really tender ground here when we're talking about patience. There are things in our lives that we have had to be patient about that have been painful, downright awful. It is hard to be patient when life isn't happening within the timeline we anticipated it to. It is hard to be patient when circumstances keep spinning life completely out of control. It is hard to be patient with the things that we long for and pray for and they're still so not here. And it extends beyond our own lives, too. Like the crowd Timothy was working with, people are so hard to be patient with, aren't they? 
It's hard to be patient with coworkers and even leaders who don't operate like we want them to or think they should. It's hard to be patient with our kids and our spouses, with our parents, with our siblings. It's hard to be patient when friends and family members that we love and pray for and counsel just don't hear. They don't grow. They don't move. It's even hard to be patient with ourselves when we're not growing into health and fullness and the life abundant that Jesus promised us at the rate that we would like to. Some of us are in the middle of healing journeys, and man, it's hard to be patient. Like, when does it end? When am I okay? But you know what I've realized in my own season of impatience? When I dig way deep down into my own impatience and anxiety, I find a few surprising things. I find fear. And I find a desire to control. And ultimately, I find pride. I get impatient when I'm afraid that my life won't turn out the way I want it to. I get impatient when I feel like I've lost control over how I want things to go for myself, for others, and even for this world. I get impatient when I'm prideful enough to believe that my plans, that my timeline is better than God's and that my hopes are better than his realities. At its core, impatience is motivated by fear. It's driven by control, and pride is at the core. And operating out of impatience gets us nowhere. I was driving, I I drive here from Spring Lake, so that's a pretty long drive in the snow. And it strikes me that operating impatience is a little bit like those drivers who drive way too fast. Right? They don't wait for the snow plow, they don't wait for the salt truck, and they go flying around. And they might get somewhere, but they might get into an accident. They might cause you an accident. And at the bare minimum, they've caused everyone on the road a lot of anxiety, a lot of unnecessary fear. Impatience gets us nowhere. Now, Paul is a wise mentor to Timothy. And in the face of so much crisis in Ephesus, he knows that it will not be helpful at all for Timothy to be motivated by impatience. Things in Ephesus will not go well if Timothy is impatient. See, Paul has learned through his own life experiences what Timothy is beginning to learn. That God's ways are higher. That God's timing is perfect. And that God's grace, his patience, It's long-suffering. I love that word, long-suffering patience. And his mercy is extravagant. How patient had God had to be while he watched Paul murder Christians left and right, knowing that this man would be the one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles? We were a product of this man, this murderer. God was patient God had been patient enough to meet him on the road to Damascus, to take his sight, to lead him to the house of Ananias, and to give him the miracle of restored sight, to literally peel back the sky, the scales from his eyes, and effectively the scales and hardness of his heart. God had been patient enough with Saul the murderer to give him a new name and a new purpose, 
Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. God's perfect plan and God's perfect timing. So in the face of all this crisis in Ephesus, Paul says to Timothy, be patient. Remember how patient God was with me. Remember how Jesus Christ came for sinners of whom I am the worst. Remember how Jesus Christ displayed his extravagant patience with me because if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it for me, you can do it for these leaders. If he did it for me, he can do it for the kingdom of God. God will sort this out in his way and in his time. Don't be patient. Or be patient. Don't be impatient. Be filled with faith that says that God is good. And be motivated by the humility that says that God's timing is perfect. Now Paul's not telling Timothy to stop working hard. He's not telling him to just shut down and be apathetic. But he is inviting Timothy to move forward in Ephesus just as God had moved forward with Paul. Just as he does for each of us. He doesn't tell us to stop working towards our goals. He doesn't tell us to stop praying. That's the opposite of what he wants you to do. He doesn't tell you to stop asking, to stop seeking, to stop calling, to stop hoping. But he invites us to do it all with his mind. With his character and with his patience. Because to choose patience is to literally lay down our own agenda. To choose to be patient is to lay down your own timeline. To choose patience is to cease your own striving and to invite God to work. Scripture says that he goes before us, beside us, that he hems us in on every side. God is the way maker. God is the one who changes hearts. God is the one who changes circumstances. God is the one who breaks down walls. God is the one who brings the prodigal home. He is the one. Like a snow plow and a salt truck on those snowy roads this morning, patience paves a way for God's best. It keeps us out of the ditch. It gives us peace and it gives us safety and assurance that we will arrive precisely where we're supposed to be at precisely the right time. At its core, patience is motivated by faith that God is in control, that he is good, and it's motivated by the humility that says that his ways and timing are better than ours. Patience isn't just a virtue that you put on because it's a good thing to do. Because he says it's a good thing to do. Patience is literally God's invitation to rest in his goodness. It's an invitation to stop working so hard to make things happen and to pray and to trust that he's never late and he's never wrong and he's never not good. And so I think that that's his invitation for us this morning. If you're struggling to understand how God can be patient with you, I know some of us are there, his patience is extravagant. It is long-suffering. Paul says that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. His patience is enduring. And whatever situation that I'm trusting the Holy Spirit brought to mind for you that needs patience, God sees. We were reminded of that this morning. God sees. He is all-knowing. He will bring it about at exactly the right time in exactly the right way. Let's pray. 
Lord, we bless you for your long-suffering patience. Lord, we thank you for how patient you were with Paul and for how patient you've been with your church, Lord, and for how patient you've been with each one of us. Lord, we thank you that all your ways toward us are good and that everything that you begin, you bring into completion. And so, Lord, as together we raise up the things that we struggle to be patient with, Lord, would you fill us with your peace? Would you help us to cease striving? Would you help us to grow up into faith and into humility, Lord, and into your patience? In Jesus' name, amen.